Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. And our friends visiting here this morning, thank you for coming out to worship with us. This is a beautiful family of God. And uh, we are, you know, I've had a great time of worship this morning. And um, we thank God for the privilege of being here. My name is Chris Obunnaya, and uh, this is my beautiful wife, Rolayo Obunnaya. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. My name is Rolayo Obunnaya. We both live in Lagos, Nigeria. We're part of the church there. And it's just so amazing to just see this wonderful family of God here. Thank you so much for a very, very warm welcome this morning. We feel so honored and privileged to be here. But we don't feel like we're foreigners or anything. We feel like family. We have so many friends here that we have from way back. We have friends here that are new. But it's always feels like coming home to be in the Bronx. It's, it's been a while we've been here, but it's always so exciting to share and be a part of this fellowship. Man, yes. I think for us, we're just, we, Chris and I have been disciples for 30 years. And... Uh, We've been, we've been married for 26 years, and God has blessed us with two children. He'll talk about that some more later. <laughs> I'm removing something from this. <laughs> He's taking care of me. God has blessed us with two children. Our daughter, Stephanie, is 23, and she's a, she's a disciple, and our son, Daniel, is 20. And they're both disciples, and they all send their love to all of you. I just, I just want to bring you greetings. Chris will talk to you some more about our church back home in Lagos and also about all our churches in Nigeria and across English-speaking West Africa. But all of them send their love to you and I want to say thank you on behalf of all of them for all the ways that you support them with your money, with your prayers, with your love, with the connection that I know that we share. And I pray that God will continue to enable you to give more and more because God is using your gifts to bless us tremendously all across West Africa. Thanks so much. Yeah, particularly I want to thank uh, the New York Church uh, for the incredible way that uh, this church has been supporting the work in French West Africa. Especially, I, uh, I want to, on behalf of the church in Abidjan, thank uh, the church for reaching out and um, for, for just giving your contribution every time to see that those churches hold together. So I just want to say again, thank you for your generosity, and I know in a few weeks' time, You'll be taking up your missions contribution. I want you to know that what you are giving goes a long way to spreading the gospel across the west coast of Africa. Thank you and God bless your generous contribution. And just quickly, uh, next slide please. Um, uh, I represent, uh, my wife and I, we uh, lead in six countries uh, with 27 churches and about 3,900 disciples. And on behalf of all the disciples, I say thank you for your incredible love and compassion and the way you pray for us, the way you uh, look after us. We are in uh, about uh, six countries. Like I said, five of those are English-speaking and one is Portuguese Creole. Uh, next slide. Uh, these are the men and women that I, my wife and I work directly with. They are just the, most, the best uh, people you can ever meet. And I pray that one day you'll be able to meet some of them. Uh, they are, they've been, we've been in the trenches together with my wife and I. We've been working together for the last 15 years. 
And uh, we've just seen a great transformation since 2004. And uh, I just want to thank them for all their love and the incredible way that they serve us. Apart from these men and women, um, next slide. We are also blessed with four elders in the Lagos Church. These are the first set of elders from the continent of Africa. And we are grateful that they serve under us. They are great uh, men and women that God has raised up. And as I speak, we have about 36 couples that are training as shepherding couples all across our West African churches. And these men are providing the leadership and the direction uh, together with the evangelists. We are all working hard that in the next couple of years, we are going to raise up more elders. Next slide. And then just recently, last year, we appointed three kingdom teachers. And uh, these are great men who have uh, ground, you know, trying to ground us in the word of God. We're, we're, we're very, very thankful for, for the work of Douglas Jacoby, Steve Kinnard, uh, who worked directly with these men uh, in the last several years to raise them up. And they are the first set of teachers from the continent of Africa as well. And, uh, and we're looking forward to be able to raise up more men. Next slide. Today I'm going to be sharing with you some convictions. And I just want to thank the brother that shared the communion this morning. Because he's, he shared some things that was very deep in my heart that I wanted to share with us today. And hopefully it will encourage us. I pray that the Spirit of God will move us today to open our hearts to the message. I want to talk about opening our eyes to the realities of God. Opening our eyes to the spiritual, emotional, and physical struggles that God puts us through to mature us in this, in this wonderful relationship. To open our eyes to the harvest of souls that comes from perseverance and from staying in the battle. Let us pray. Our dear God and Father, I pray God that you open our minds' eyes. Father, speak to us this morning through your words that God, we will be faithful men and women in our quest to want to know you, in our quest to want to enjoy salvation, that we will know that ultimately you want a lasting relationship with us. Father, help us. I pray that your word will ring through today and will encourage us as we pray and ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 29, 28. Let me start from Genesis 28. God is a faithful God. He has a plan to bring men and women from every generation to a relationship with him. God created an opportunity for us to enjoy salvation. When we lost the privilege at the Garden of Eden, God made a comeback. And he made a promise to Abraham that through his seed, the world will be blessed. That all nations will be blessed. So he became the God of Abraham. And God remained true to his promise. Even though Abraham, in his scheming as well, was not very sure how that promise was going to come through. Because from a, a human point of view, it was impossible. But without wavering in his faith, he held on to God and his promises, and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
And because of that faith and that relationship that Abraham had, God kept to his promise in Isaac. And so he became the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And God walked in the life of Isaac as a faithful God. And we all know the story of how God dealt with Isaac. But as Isaac was being packed up to be with God, God being truly the faithful God kept to his promise. Because the goal wasn't just for Abraham or for Isaac. God has a vision and a goal for you and I. For all nations, as numerous as the sand in the seashore. We all know the story of how Jacob, with the intrigues, with conniving with his mom, was blessed. And he was blessed by Isaac. But no matter how he went through it, God was still going to be faithful. And so the blessing remained that of Jacob. Even though it was originally supposed to be for Esau. But in Genesis 28, let's read from verses 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba. This is after he has received the blessing that was meant for his brother. And because of that, life became very tough and difficult. And so, the Bible says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for a night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to rest, to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with east up reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you align. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east. To the south, sorry, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Amen. My first point is, we've got to open our eyes to the reality of God. The blessings has already been given by Isaac. But God wanted to be the God of Jacob. And we're going to see how God walked to get the heart of Jacob. To build confidence in Jacob. So that he will not just be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, but he will also be the God of Jacob. You know, I know we are all here congregated and I'm excited that we are all here. I don't know how you became a disciple or how you became, you know, became part of God's church. I don't know what attracted you. I don't know how you came in. Maybe some of us were not true to our confession. 
Maybe you didn't say it all. You know, I remember as a disciple uh, about 30 years ago, we were made to write our sin list. You know, before we got baptized, before we confessed Jesus as Lord, we studied the Bible. I believe all of us studied the Bible here. You know, amen. And, and, uh, and, and you went through the studies and, and, and you got to the point where you counted the cost, correct? A lot of us counted the cost, but some of us counted the cost, but, you, but some of us did not count all the costs. Or maybe we were open and we were not really open. Maybe you came to the church, you were fired up about the fellowship. I was fired up about the fellowship. I love the hugging. The hugs. Especially from the sisters. You know, the hugs. You know, I loved it because I went to church, I was a reader, but I never went to a church where they hugged themselves. And they meant it. And they were happy. You know, when people say they loved you, they loved you from the depths of their hearts. So I, I kept watching. I mean, these people, they are too fired up. They are too happy. Are they for real? So I joined. Uh, that was, and, uh, and I came in and, and I started looking at them. I was excited. These people are so excited. This is what I want. And I've been here now for 30 years. But I don't know how you came in here. Maybe you are sitting down watching. Who are these people? They are too happy. They are too excited. You know, I want what they want. I, I want what they have. I wanted it. And I wanted it so badly. And I found that, you know, you know you, 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 when you go to a place, you, you, you want to blend. You want to be a part. You want to, you want to be a part. And sometimes, in wanting to be a part, part, you may not be real. But God knows. The blessings is yours as well. Whether by hook or crook. God wants you. I don't know how you came. Maybe you are chasing a woman and you came in here. You are welcome. God wants you too. Amen. I tell my beautiful sisters, if any brother is chasing you, please run to church. And point them to me. And I will take them captive. And they will study the Bible. So I don't know how you came. I, eh, God did not care how. Eh, Jacob got the blessing. But he lied to get it, right? God saw all the scheming, correct? But God didn't stop the blessing from going to Jacob. And after he got the blessing, he was so excited about the blessing. But God says, I'm excited about you. I want your heart. And so literally gets, he gets into the kingdom, things started to happen. And literally I got into the kingdom and I said, Jesus was Lord. Before I even knew what the question was. Because I say, you know, I'm going to ask you three questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And that He rose up from the dead? And your answer should be, yes. And then, I'll say, what is your true confession? Again? Because of your true confession, I'm going to now baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And boom, you went into the water and you came out. Ah, you are saved. We rehearsed it. So, whether you want, whether you are afraid or not, you've got to answer those questions. But God knows your heart. Some of us came into the kingdom with trepidation. We were not very sure. But we went under the water of baptism. Amen. Hey, your baptism is still valid. Amen. Awesome. And you still have salvation. But God wants a relationship with you. And the minute I stepped out of that water of baptism, things started to happen. 
My character started to come out to the fore. Many things I did not write down in the sin list. Many things that you did not confess. Because, hey, there is no time to get it all out. But you got something out. And God is happy with that. But he wants to get more out. Okay, you know, God is real. He wants us to be real. So sometimes we question, am I saved? You are saved. Not just to be a part of the Bronx church, but to be part of God's family. You are here because not only is it the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, He is your God. He is the God of Chris. He's the God of Rolaya. He's the God of Maurice. And you can add your name. You know, I don't know who you are. He's your God too. He's the God of John Akpeyon. He's the God of uh, my friend, uh, you know, uh, James. Uh, Over here, John. He's your God too. And so he wants a personal relationship with you. It's not about how happy everybody is or how fired up we are as a congregation. And sometimes you can be in the crowd and you think, God does not see me. Hey, I just snuck in here. No, God saw you. <laughs> or maybe I didn't all say it all right. God, God knows. And so what do we have? We've got to understand that the experience of God, of having God in our life is important. You know, how our fathers treated us is important. Because that, that gives us the image of who God really is. You know, I grew up not having a good relationship with my dad. I play acted. You know, my dad wants me to study. You know, because we came from a very poor background and education is your way out of poverty. Growing up in the slums. It's either two things. It's either I get education or you play sports. Or you become a musician. And then you are popular. And you make money. Now I wasn't very good at singing. But I played sport very well. And I think I had a little bit of knowledge. So I was fighting to get education and to play soccer. But the biggest passion for me was soccer. And so, you know, in the kids on the street who play soccer. And sometimes when my dad is coming home, people will be shouting. Well, you're like, Chris, your dad is coming. And I will run. And I will take, and I will do what we call dry cleaning. You just dry clean yourself, you know, and then, and then, and then you, take, you take your book and you sit down and my dad will say, how are you doing? Oh, uh, welcome, sir. And, uh, you know, and I get by. <laughs> but I, you know, and, and so that was me. I loved, soccer was my passion. And I played some, you know, even though without the blessing of my dad. You know, so for me, I feel like the image of God was that of being harsh, being, being, being mean towards, you know, just, you know, obeying a bunch of rules and regulations. Why do I have to live the way my father wants me? Why can't I be free to do what I wanted to do? So the image is almost, my, my thinking is always counter God, counter authority in, in my life. And that is how I grew up. So I kind of feel like God has this bunch of rules and regulations. If I do, if I pass those rules, I, know, I could be, I, I would be okay. So studying the Bible too, in a way, it wasn't deliberate, but because of that, that's the way I perceived God. That's the way I became a Christian. But oh yes, study the Bible with me. Tell me what not to do, and I will try to not do those things. Obey all those rules. Stay with those kingdom rules. 
kingdom standards and I'll be fine. You know, if I just behave the way the leaders want, and I'll be fine. I'll be a Bible talk leader. Because I wanted to, you know, date my beautiful wife. But one of the prerequisites for dating is that you must be spiritual. And spiritual is being a Bible talk leader. Immediately I figured that out. I became a Bible talk leader. Not one, not two, four Bible talks. So I'm a very spiritual man. So I, 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 I was given the last permission. You can now date. And I looked at the other brothers. You guys should have figured this out since. You know, we can be in the kingdom and we can be ticking off things. And then we're all spiritual, spiritual. You know, and God is not real anymore. I had to learn that growing up because I grew very fast, led many Bible talks, and I signed up for the full-time ministry. Almost a year of being a disciple. Gave up my career, gave up everything I wanted to be, to be an attorney. You know, my wife too, had, at that time, we were dating. She, she's, also, she's also read law and she passed and she was an attorney at that time. And I said, hey, you know, you know, let's start dating, you know, let's do it in the ministry. She was in the ministry and we're all in the ministry and we're all cranking and it was, it was going well. When I got into the ministry and for me it was, man, you put any challenge before me, I'm going to get it done. Remember where I was coming from and the relationship I had with my dad and my perception of what success and victory is. That I could please my father and do all he asked me to do, I'll be fine. But I had no relationship with him. We couldn't sit in a room and have a good conversation. You know, one of the biggest things I had to you know, confess when, before I, became a, I got baptized was forgiving my dad. Because I felt he hurt me in many places. And I wept because I was so far from having a relationship with him. And that scar, you know, not getting a hug, made me love the hug in the church. Not having anybody look me in the face and say, I love you. I waited for those cards. During my, I got celebrated in the church for the first time. People coming and buying me cake, me, and giving me cards for me. Is this for real? Somebody celebrating me? I didn't get celebrated until I was 25, genuinely. And so that really hurts. You know, you see families together, eating, being happy. I desired that. But I never had that growing up. And so coming into church and seeing the communion living, and I was passionate about it. I was so fired up. People are like, man, this brother, he's an example. But it could be a dysfunction. Because it was a craving for what I never had. And so there was a lot of realities that I had never got in touch with about life, about being rejected, about failure, you know, about encouragement, empathy, you know, emotional connection. I never had that. And so I was very hard lined as a leader. I was very mean. And so I had to be stepped out of the ministry. I was fired from leading the church, from being in the staff of the church three times. 
Because I wasn't understanding what relationships really meant. For me, it was all about getting what I want and achieving the goal. I don't care what means, so long as I love the goal. You know, you know, you know, you know, you, you know the, the song, Abraham's blessings are mine. Do we sing it here? Do we know some people in the house? Have you heard that song before? Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. If you, if you sang that song, maybe you're a Nigerian or, some, or something. Or, or you went to a kindergarten school in Nigeria. We, we sing all that in church. Abraham's blessings are mine. That could have been the song Jacob was singing. Because it was, a, it was a blessing that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and now to Jacob. But if that blessing was going to be yours, then you must have a relationship with that God who gives the blessing. I took many things from my dad. He paid my school fees. I ate his food. I lived in his home. But I had no relationship with him. We all can be here clamoring from the blessings of God. But do you have a relationship with this God? Abraham was a great man. And he was regarded by his faith in believing in the promise of God. He was credited as righteousness. That was something unique. Even though he did not see it, he had faith. He had faith that even though his body was as, as good as dead, but because God promised him, because he figured out that God could raise his body again, he believed. There was something unique between God and Abraham, something unique between God and Isaac. There must be something unique between God and Jacob. And there should be something between unique about God and you sitting here this morning. What is it unique? What's your story? Because every one of us as disciples, you've got to have a story to tell about your relationship with your God. It is not about being in the crowd. It's not about singing. It's not about claiming the blessings. It's about a relationship with God. So God sent Jacob on this journey. On this journey of realization. Of this journey that changed his life. He had no money. He had no food. He had no belonging. So he undertook on a journey from Beersheba to Haran. A 400 mile journey on foot. It took him 120 days. Sorry, it took him 20 days rather. Or so, 120 days I think. I think that's what I... Yeah, it took him 20 days. It took him 20 days, nearly a month. To visit his uncle Laban. He was going to his uncle... What should he be afraid of anymore? He's going to family, correct? He was going to family that he feels that, Ned, there will be relationship, there will be trust, there will be honesty, there will be openness. But from where Jacob was coming from, there was some intrigue, there was some deception and deceit. He claimed the blessing, but he doesn't know that the dysfunction runs in the family. It don't matter. He ran with Abraham, he got to Isaac, and it's now in Jacob, and guess what? It's in Laban. And so began the new phase, the beginning of his walk with God. He had the blessing tucked in his pocket, 
But God was going to bring out the relationship. So in, we read in verse 20 of chapter 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a blessing will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So he now says, you know, beyond the blessing, I desire God. But here is the deal. God, promise me that you will be with me. That you will watch over me on this journey. That you will give me everything I need. You will give me food. You give me close to where he didn't ask for much. But those were some basic things he asked for. And he wanted to return safely back to his father's household. And God said, Amen. I will do those things. But God also has some things for him. Because there's always two sides to a coin. You know, every time we pray to God, God bless me, God do this for me, God is saying amen to all your prayer. But then a voice says, you know, we've got to sometimes be quiet and listen to God's side, correct? You know, you close your eyes and you talk, but you need to sometimes close your eyes and listen. And God says, I will show you how much you are going to suffer. I will show you because I want to mold your character. I will show you how much you have got to go through. And so, as a Christian, immediately we come out of the water of baptism, we start to go through trials that will refine us, that will define our relationship with God. So he makes a promise. You know, and he matured through the very difficult things that he went through. And rather, these things breaking him, they matured him. Rather than deteriorate, than he deteriorated in bitterness and anger. So he became a better man. But how did that happen? You know, apart from God being real to us, my second point is that God puts us through the spiritual struggles. The second point. And how did God do this? In, in Genesis 29, you might write that down and read it in verse 14 to, to 30. God used his journey to Laban. Guess what? He got the grind through facing himself, the reality of himself, the reality of his sin. And so Laban treated him with injustice and treated him with duplicity because that is who he really was. And so God showed him face to face who he was. And it took 14 years. You know, he wanted to marry Rachel. Correct? You know this story. And God said, okay, work for me for seven years. And after working for seven years, he gave Lee to him. That wasn't straightforward. But it runs in the family. And so the man says, you know, as a character, you work another seven years. The guy was like, whoops. Before he got what he wanted. 
That was have been so hard. But God says, you can't feel bad. That's, that's the kind of man you, have, you, you are. You know, we want to deal with injustice in the world. What about the injustice in your own heart? You know, the best way that God teaches us character is the character is our own character. We can't change the character of the world if we can't change our own character. And so God shows him, you know, you know, it's painful to be deceived. It's painful to be cheated on. But Jacob, that's what you really did to your brother Esau. With the knowledge of your mother. And no matter how far you go from it, the reality is that you have to face your demons of the past. You have to face who you really are. Because sometimes we listen to the news, we see people, they are a replication of us. The corruption in the world. We can't fix it if we do not fix the corruption in our homes. In our character. And you can write down Genesis 32, verse 6 to 11. After he finished with him with Laban, it was not enough. There was another big demon. He had to face, and that was his brother Esau. God was not finished with him. You can run, but you cannot hide. And now it wasn't like, oh, God spoke to him to go to meet Esau. Esau sent a message that, I am coming. So sometimes you may not face your past. Your past will just show up. God is not finished with you. <laughs> There are many things in my life, I thought, oh God, I want to be patient. I don't need to step out of the house because she shows right there with my children, with my wife, in my dealings with the closest people. You know, I know some of you, you would love to visit Lagos one day, amen. Uh, yeah, amen. I'm thankful for the, for the Lees who have been to Lagos, uh, Antoine and Pam, and there's some of you, I know deep in your heart you want to come. God will make a way. You come and visit us. Well, Lagos is a very rough, tough. Like I tell everybody, Lagos is like New York on steroids. I love New York City. It is the closest thing to home. The way we drive, the way we live, the noise. Even yesterday, I was, I was hearing all the dancing and all the singing from my neighbor's house. They kept on and on. I said, this is home. But I slept well. Because I, slept with, I sleep with noise. You know, but, but it's awesome. When God puts before us the realities. And God was not finished with him. And, and it was intense for Jacob to face Esau. But he had to face him. And like, a, like the man he is, he started scheming again. Instead of saying, oh God, let me confront my fears. He says, I know what to do. I will outsmart this guy. I will divide my family into two, one will go. If it destroys that one, who will take, the rest will take off. <laughs> it's the same person. He hasn't learned total trust. He, has le- he hasn't learned total surrender. Let me show my brother everything. If I die, I die. But some of us, it doesn't, you know, you may be here as a disciple for 10, 20, 30 years. I don't know how many years God will keep us here, but, but God is refining us, and that's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. Are there still things in your life 
that you are battling to change. You know, for me, very recently I've begun to see that there's in it fear and anxiety and, and you know, just, just a sense of lack of faith in God. I'm a very healthy person, play soccer, I do whatever, but lately in the last six months I've been going through some health challenges. And it's tough to be able to wake up every morning and, and trust God. You know, I preach powerfully and I fire everybody up. But when everybody else is gone and you are faced with the realities of your frailty, of your weakness, who are you going to turn to? You can't turn to entertainment. You can't turn to anyone. You can't turn to your wealth. You can't turn to money. And God brings you to the fight where he forces you to trust him. I'm in that state right now and I need prayers to be a man who is totally trusting God. And in Genesis 32, you can write down verse 24 to 30. Genesis 32, I think I'm going to read that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to read that and then hopefully we'll come for landing. Genesis 32, verse 24. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent all of his possessions. So Jacob, sorry, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overcome him, he could not overpower him, he touched the the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have wrestled and struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Amen. Jacob wrestled with God. It wasn't a fiction. It wasn't fantasy. It was real. You know, like I was sharing, God sometimes we need to touch us physically and wrench us physically. You know, I know some of us, I know, we feel, oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm going to heaven. And you kind of think in yourself, some things will not touch me. Everything I touch will be gold. Anything I ask for, the Lord will do it for me. But sometimes, God will make you go through pain and suffering God will make you, God will dislocate your hip, literally. Because the Bible says when he got up there, he started limping. He wasn't play acting. You know, God sometimes will knock your knees, knock your joints. <laughs> God will sap you of energy. God will take out so many things as to get your attention. Hey, whatever we have on this side of eternity cannot last. 
cannot be compared to where God is taking us. Not even our physical flesh. Because with physical flesh, we cannot inherit that blessing that God wants. He can take your wealth. He can take your finances. He can take everything. But let God be your God. And I have to learn that myself. And I've got to get to the point where I say, God bless me. God stay with me. Take everything. Take everything. But stay with me. It was not just a spiritual battle. It was a physical one. And I know seated here, some of us are going through physical challenges. We will have to struggle physically to receive and to deepen our relationship with God. I pray that you stay strong like Jacob. And all these things was not in the bargain. Nobody told Jacob all this. I'm sure if he had been told, he would have told Rebekah, please, let that blessing go to Esau. If God shows us some things that are going to go through in our life as a testing of our relationship, you will not say yes. But because of God's grace, God wants you to say yes even before you know what you're going to go through. Because it is yes with God. And never no. He's a God of integrity. He's a God of faith. And he will bring us to the final place of harvest. Which is my last point. In Genesis 32 verse 12. You know, God will bring us to a place of harvest. He will bring us to a place of plenty if we do not give up. In verse 12, But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the seashore which cannot be counted. That wasn't a wishful thinking from Jacob. That was God's promise. We've got to remember God's promises. It is not our own idea that we're going to get to heaven. It is not a good idea from anybody to fire us up that, hey, we are all going to go to heaven. It was God's plan from the beginning. He is because he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of the disciples in the Bronx. He is a disciple of everybody who calls on his name with faith. He is the God of everyone who repents and gets baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. He is the God of those who stay faithful regardless. He is the God of those who desire willingly in your heart to have a relationship with him. He will, be my, he will be your God as well. Jacob eventually became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Today we are sitting down here as the modern day Israelites. The people of the promise. I know you can boast and say, we are the royal priesthood, a people of God. For we were once not a people, but now we are a people. It was because of the faith of the patriarchs. Yet more than that, it was because of the faith of God. They failed, they were weak, they were feeble, that God remained strong in his promise. So I may fail, I may stumble, but that has nothing to do with the eternal promises of God. He will, he will play his part. But God is patient. Now when you fall, he's patient to be there with you until you rise up again. God will bring a harvest of souls through you if you do not give up. You know, during these last six months that I've been going through what, you know, every year in the Lagos church, we have what we call, you know, a spiritual revival moment for the last eight, six, seven years. We get together as a church, we pray, we fast, and we do a devotional together with the whole congregation. And this year our theme is to leave is Christ. 
And we have the staff writing a booklet, you know, of devotional. 40 days devotional. Engaging the whole church in Bible study. But we decided that this year we're going to have a campaign. Where we're going to call people to come out in January. And reach out to everybody to share our faith. To have our small groups revived. And people responded in an amazing way. But that was it. The time that I was physically down. And I, every morning, I was weak to even get up. You know, it was, it was hard. My chest was tight. And, and sometimes I would just, you know, I just had to say, God, what is this? Had all kinds of things in my head. It was troublesome for me. And yeah, you've declared a campaign. Oh, we're going to go and do it. But I kept remembering the promise of God that he would, he would be with me. And as God will have it, a man that we've been reaching out to for many years, a wife of one of our disciples, the, the husband of one of our disciples, walked up to me and said, you know, bro, I have a funeral. And I want you as a minister to come and perform the funeral. And I said, I will do it. And the day we had that conversation, as he was about to leave, he said, I want, can you study the Bible with me? And at first I was like, man, how can I do this? You know how it is. You know, you're fired up to study and somebody's looking at you and says, I want to study the Bible. When? Now. And you are thinking, can we do it tomorrow? Can we do it now? And the guy was so fired up. And this is the guy we've been reaching out to. I said, you are, you are not kidding. He says, now, I want to study the Bible. I said, okay, this is a test. If you want to study the Bible, go buy a Bible. And the guy bought the Bible that same day. <laughs> He called me, he called me from, from the Bible bookshop. He says, you know, talk to the, to the seller. Which, which, which brand should I buy? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. I said, okay, the NIV. And the guy came to my house with his big Bible. You know, big study Bible with a notebook. The following day I was like, no. You know how you set up a study and you, you are praying that the guy don't show up. But the guy shows up 30 minutes before the time. We've been reaching out to this guy for years. He will promise he will show up. He kept coming. He kept coming. He showed up to everything. On time. Remember every study. I was like, no, this can't be true. He looked at me and said, Chris, I know, you are, I, know what you are, I know what you are thinking. But when God arrests you, he has arrested you. So I said, are you sure he's really arrested you? He said, yes, I'm here. And that's how we started studying. And two weeks or so or four weeks after, he got baptized. And what was, not just for the baptism, but what he did for me. Getting me up, studying the Bible. And I wasn't feeling any of the money, you know, the tiredness anymore. He brought energy. He brought life. In our Bible talk, everybody's waking up. Hey, everybody wants to be in the study. And it, that one baptism revived all of us. And guess what? We had more harvest of souls. When we do not give up, God will bring people. God will use us to touch the lives of the world. But first and foremost, he says, until a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain but a seed. And I pray that this year we are going to open our eyes to grow in our relationship with God. To struggle through our own sins. Whatever it is that is holding you back. Whether you were baptized yesterday. Or you've been here for 30 or 40 years. God is still at work. Trying to refine you. Trying to chip away things. Trying to open you up. So that you can be the father of many nations as well. That through you many more people will come to know God. And I pray that that harvest of souls. 
will come from you. But you cannot give up. Because when it is darkest, that is when the dawn comes. Thank you all and God bless you. We shall be back. Amen. Thank you.